0: Five, four, three, two,
1: one. Something more befitting a man of your education.
2: Get
0: this situation under control, gentlemen. And now, from an undisclosed location for good reason, it's the Midlife Crisis Show, starring Elliot Kleiner and Peter Applebaum, recorded live and unscripted, but then carefully edited. And we're back. God help you. The topic of the day is cosmetic procedures.
3: Good, bad, or ugly. This has actually been one of the most fascinating episodes we've put
0: together. This is really polarizing, and I know a lot of people are going to have a lot of strong opinions about this. I have some very strong opinions about this. I'm not going to monologue about it. Oh, thank God. Uh, We've got somebody who has had many, many, many procedures that they have endured. (laughs)
1: And then i went to another surgeon in melbourne recently and had my face done so i just so
0: change. he knows you pretty well
1: yeah.
0: oh yeah is he married
1: yeah he's married oh uh, yeah i've been there no he can't, you
0: can't. <laughs> sorry no. can, can we just I'm trying. can we can we just delve you've
3: been there what is i've oh, just been to his surgery is that what you mean Oh no, i've
1: been to the surgery you know, I've been, oh, I see. You know he's married okay. i've met his child <laughs>
0: Um, Some would call them the victim, some would call them the consumer And some would call this lady totally
3: self-empowered And I think that's exactly what she thinks
0: I think others might be sitting in their armchairs calling her insane That's why it's polarised.
3: That's right, and she has very specific and definite opinions And I think you're going to be fascinated to hear what she has to say And we also have a cosmetic doctor
0: What do you do most every week? Botox by all men, by the thing that people do the most is inject snake venom into their faces, and, and that's acceptable. So some would call him the perpetrator of the crimes. Some would call him the solution provider.
3: Or creating the good in people's lives.
0: Well, the question has to come up, why? Why do people do these things? Why do people feel the need to have their bodies cut up into pieces and and reshaped and reformed? So we've got to talk to a psychologist about that
2: when I was 16, you know, I decided I wanted to have my nose straightened, a nose uh, job.
0: If you've already got a problem with the size of your nose, the last thing you want to hear about <laughs> is is the name rhinoplasty. <laughs> I mean, they equate it to a rhinoceros. Are they really, are they helping, are they helping the <laughs>
3: issue? <laughs> So the good part about this episode is that you're going to learn a lot as we certainly did because there are as Elliot rightly said it's a very polarizing topic and hope you enjoy the ride a richer it's
2: gonna have to
3: be a different
0: now, we've got to cover all sides of the spectrum when it comes to cosmetic procedures and that includes people that have done them, people that mm-hmm. have advised on having them done, the reasons why people have them done, but most importantly, the people that have had them done need to be uh, represented. So on the phone, I've got my friend L- Louise who prefers to be called Louie and we're going to call you Louie. Now, I just want to read to you the list of things. But this is for the listeners. I just want to read the list of things that Louie has partaken of over recent years to make her what I would call the consumer expert on this subject. So she's had three boob jobs, two arm lifts, a leg lift, a tummy tuck, a full body lift, a mid-face lift, lipo, eye lift, brow lift, neck lift, fat grafts, that's in the face, a lip lift and Botox fillers. Now that's, that's a pretty impressive laundry list of things. And I think the first thing is to say welcome. Hi, Louie. Oh, hi. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm worried about how you're doing after all that because that's a that's oh. a very... I mean, is, I've got to ask, is there much of you left? <laughs> I mean, what, what can you explain to me what part of you hasn't had something done?
1: Um, I haven't had my arms, or my hands and my feet done, sorry. I've had my arms done. I haven't had my feet my arms done.
0: Is there much to do on the feet? Well, I hope not. I don't
1: want to have to go back in
0: again. So you're pretty happy with them the way they are?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty happy with them, yeah. So <laughs> Actually, my friends do say I've got man hands, but, you know, I can't do much about that.
0: Well, let's hope not. I mean, this must have cost you a fortune. <laughs> I was just going to say, you've, got, you've obviously had a lot of money
3: to be able to, to pay for all those procedures, Louis.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was over a period of a few years, so we just kept saving, kept doing it, and sold right. a few horses. And well, yeah. come on,
0: I've got to know. Like, if if you were to tally it up, just in the off the top of your head, basic math, how much do you reckon you've spent? It'd
1: have to be around a hundred thousand, I would say.
0: That'd be a really nice deposit on a unit in Bondi. Oh yes,
1: I've heard of that.
0: Okay,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but but you look in the mirror and you say that's a much better investment than a unit in Bondi, right? Oh, definitely! Yeah. Fantastic.
0: So, you're happy with the results that you've received while doing all of these procedures? You, you, you were you were unhappy before. Now you're happy.
1: Well, I've had um, a few procedures done more than once because I wasn't happy, and uh, but yeah, now I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty good really. I'm pretty happy with what I've what I've got. I'm waiting for my face to settle down because it was only done in June, and once the swelling goes, then I'll finally see see the final result.
0: So how much recovery time do you need after each one of these procedures? It's got to be weeks.
1: Yeah, three to six weeks. My face is um, anywhere from two weeks to six months, so it does pop up a little bit, and sometimes I can't talk properly because my face fell. But uh, yeah, it's all, it's all going pretty pretty well, but the surgeon's happy with it so far.
3: Oh, that's good. And Louis, can I ask, your your family and friends are supportive of, of the decisions you make in this regard? <laughs>
1: Um, some of them are, and um, well, the other people they're not my friends anymore. <laughs> ah, I see. see, I
0: said that was a polarising thing. I yeah. knew that the moment that you get something done, there's always going to be a divided two camps: those that agree yeah. with what you've done, and those that think you're you're crazy for doing it. So, but, but that's
3: oh, but that's usually the case with any major life decisions. It's like you have people who are with you or people who are against you. So, I mean, Lou, you've been quite brave in being able to say I'm not happy with how this looks and how it feels. And I'm going to do something about it. And, and as you've said, there are some people who haven't agreed with you, and and you've parted ways.
1: Pretty much, as soon as someone gets negative, I just walk away because it's too hard mentally to go through all of that, and then have uh, someone you know at you constantly being negative about it.
0: I get that. Do you also, uh, you know, by the same token, do you have supportive friends that are that supportive that they want to go through the same procedures, and you go and have surgeries together? You inspire them. In oh other
1: yeah, words. yeah. I've got a friend that she wants her done. And my mum came with me to the surgeon about my face, and now she's thinking about doing it
0: herself. Wow! So you could yeah. you could pretty much be an ambassador for the positive oh, yeah. effects.
1: Oh yeah! Everywhere I go, I show them what I've had done. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and Louis, Louis, can I ask an indelicate question of a lady? Can I ask what hmm. uh, what how old you are or how young you are?
1: I'm thirty six, okay. nearly thirty seven. Right. Yeah.
0: So when did you start? Like, what what would you have called your first major procedure?
1: Uh, when I went twenty three.
0: Right, so it's yeah. it's been over a decade um, that mm-hmm. you've that you've been having these procedures. Now we've given the amount of uh, recovery time and the pain and suffering that goes along with all of these, how much time do you reckon during the last twelve thirteen years that you've had completely pain and recovery free periods?
1: I'm not sure. yeah it sort of comes and goes, I kind of do a procedure once or twice a year, and um yeah, then I spend three or four months normal and then I go back in and have something else like done.
3: Do you feel, as you say, you, you had the last procedure done in, in around June and you're still in the recovery mode. Do you feel when, when it all settles down and goes back to or, or it, your new normal, do you feel there's something else that you want to do?
1: Um, well, apparently my nose is one mil off centre, but he won't touch that. So, no, I think I'm, I think I'm done. Okay. <laughs> but there's uh, constant upkeep with my face now with um, fillers and Botox and everything. So I'm hooked back in in October right. to go and have more. Uh, fillers in my lips and, and all the rest of it into my face. So it'll just be this constant up, upkeep now of, my, of keeping my face fresh.
0: So without, again, being indelicate, uh, which Pete and I tend to do, in fact, we're renowned for it, I, I would say that a fair analogy is that you've um, you've purchased the car and now you're going on a service contract.
1: Yeah, pretty
3: much. That's exactly right. But it was was a a Holden and now it's a Ferrari, right, Louis?
1: Exactly. I didn't want the old Holden anymore. I kept breaking down. Love it.
0: Louis, I'm going to ask you more personal questions. Have you got a partner, husband, uh, significant other?
1: Not really, no.
0: Did you have when you were halfway sort of through this journey?
1: No, not really. No, I tend to be single constantly, but that's okay. It's fine by choice.
0: I think it's probably because you're spending so much time in recovery that you haven't got much time to get out there and socialise. It, or... it
1: could be, but I actually go out. I went out uh, just after my legs were done a week later, and uh, I was at the Mansell pub sitting there on my little stool, and after my face, I went shopping like three days after my surgery, out and about with stitches in my face. it doesn't really worry me.
3: So basically, you own this. It's like it's not something you're embarrassed about or ashamed about. You own what you've done over the last twelve to thirteen years.
1: Yeah, well, you've got to own it because it's it's done now. And if you're spending that much money, then you might well you know, people may as well see it and know about it because that's why you're doing it. You know, getting all the surgery done to wear a, you know, lots of clothes and never be seen by. By the public.
0: <laughs> did you have to shop around between surgeons? Like, did you find anybody trying to talk you out of it?
1: No, no, I went to um, my original surgeon. I've had two, my original surgeon in Melbourne. And um, he did my whole body, like, from the neck down, basically. And then I went to another surgeon in Melbourne recently and had my face done. So I just so changed. He,
0: he knows you pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he married?
1: Yeah, he's married.
3: Oh, yeah, I've been there. No, he can't Sorry. Can we can we just delve? You've been there? What is is? just been to his surgery, is that what you mean? Oh no, I've
1: been to the surgery, you know. Oh, I've like, you know, he's okay. married. I've met his child actually when I, I had my first surgery and he walked in with his son off, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> but yeah. It's hard. You hang out with um you meet all these really good surgeons, but they're all married. I hate it's that. Don't,
3: Don't you that. hate yeah, that I see? there must be a Facebook page for single surgeons.
0: And now you've, yeah, got the, exactly. now you've got the Ferrari and you can't entice anybody to come for a ride.
3: Uh, there's, always t- there's always tomorrow, Louis. Always tomorrow. True, true. I
1: can't entice them, but they're not the ones I, that you want
0: to entice. Uh, no, they're still, you know, the old Commodores, I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> no. rusty, rusty old
3: Kingswoods. <laughs> hey, hey, Louis, Can I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you have any regrets?
0: No, no, no regrets. So it's 100% ownership. You know, you're not going to look back and say, I shouldn't have done this one. I shouldn't have done that one.
1: Oh, no, 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 never. But um, well after, after initial surgery, a few days later, I don't know if, it, if it's a mental thing or it's maybe the, um, the anesthetic, but you do go to a stage where you're a bit like, oh, God, what have I done? But then that passes pretty quickly. But the only surgery I haven't had that with was my face. Everything else I've kind of gone, oh, God, it's, a, it's a quite emotional. Yeah. And um, I don't think it's... Surgery's definitely not for everyone. I think you've got to be fairly mentally strong to do it.
0: I think you've just um, described how I feel after every meal.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like, yeah.
0: Just an element of regret, and then I decide that I, that passes and that I own it, and then I have to yeah. deal with the consequences later.
1: Louis. Yeah, and then you got to go, out, go back for a
3: second. Well, that's right.
0: That's and right. And regret it all yeah. over again.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Louis, <Yeah. laughs> you, have you had all of your procedures done in Australia? Yes, I have. Okay. Because yeah. so there there, I think there was a story on 60 Minutes in the last two or three months that was talking about people who've gone over to Thailand or somewhere in Asia to get their procedures done and there's questionable... Have you ever considered doing that?
1: Um, Yeah, I have considered it. A friend of mine has had all her work done over there and she actually takes people over and gets a lot of stuff done. But I just didn't like the fact that if something goes wrong, I'm a long way from home and, you know, I didn't want to get an infection or have a reaction to the drugs or something like that and be like,
0: in a different country. So we just get here. I thought it was safer. Very sensible. I mean, I I ask people who travel a lot whether they watch air crash investigations. Do you watch Botched?
1: Oh, yeah, I love Botched.
0: That doesn't frighten you at all?
1: No, I haven't seen anyone die on it yet.
0: But then again, air crash investigation really is, so I guess it's not a true analogy.
3: So actually, that brings up an interesting point do you do much research before you get a specific and particular procedure done do you google it you find other case studies people who've had it done do
1: as much research as you can online and talking to people but unfortunately the the best research is having it done and then after the fact you can of think oh if i'd known that beforehand maybe i would have asked this question or that question or something like that but yeah we got to go back yeah, the, the best
0: research is having it done
1: that's true it's true because then after the fact you get oh why didn't i ask him about this or, about that, or yeah, you kind of don't know until you've been through it because you just, you know, I'm not a surgeon. You don't really
3: know
0: until you get there. So wow, yeah. big statement, big you're, statement.
3: You're a brave woman, Louie. Oh,
1: no, I'm not. They do all the work. I'm asleep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guarantee you this. None of the listeners will be asleep listening to us having this discussion with you because it is fascinating and very insightful.
0: Listen, it's been fabulous, and I really uh, thank you for opening up to us the way you have. You've been very honest. I can't, be- I can't believe somebody... As happy go lucky as you would. I mean, but then again, I didn't know you before. So maybe you're happy go lucky now as a result of these procedures.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Elliot's made a good point, Louis. You've got to give
0: him kudos for that. I promise you it was an accident. It doesn't happen often. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, cool. Louis, I think we're done. It's been great talking to you. And uh, I, I wish you well. And um, maybe we'll uh, see a picture of you.
3: Every time I see a Ferrari on the road, Louis, I'll be thinking of you.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel a bit like a Ferrari. I can't I can't run that fast, but, you know, maybe I'll go to the gym one day. I'm
3: not sure. <laughs> <One day. laughs> thank you for your time, <laughs> Louise, and for your thoughts. Most people I
4: know
1: the only thing that freaks me out about Los Angeles is uh, is all the plastic surgery. I don't get it. Why do people get plastic surgery, you know? Why can't you just admit it's over? (laughs) You know, you had your time. With their faces yanked back, looking all shiny, right? Not to mention they haven't even figured it out. Why would you get a facelift? Can't you look at other facelifts and realize they haven't worked all the bugs out yet? That's what you want to look like? Like you just lost a fight three days ago? I understand liposuction. They screw that up, you can put on a shirt, right? There's no shirt
4: for your face.
3: We'd like to welcome Mark, who is a cosmetic doctor. (laughs)
4: Thank you for having me on board. Pleasure.
0: Hello, Mark. I've got to ask you something because I know I'm the voice of the sector of my audience that's ridiculously stupid. And I just wanted to clarify this. What
3: does that mean that I am?
0: That's not yet been determined. We've, there's a team working on that now. <laughs> now, you're a cosmetic doctor, and then there is, you know, there are other people who are plastic surgeons. And yep. to the layman, there's the question of what's the difference?
4: A cosmetic doctor is one that basically deals uh, with everything except surgery. And then there are cosmetic surgeons who specifically do aesthetic-based
0: Okay, got it. So the stuff that you know, people—what I would call in the chair stuff—as yeah. opposed to on the table stuff—that's what you do. You do the in the chair exactly. stuff, because yeah. I just wanted to—I just wanted to get into the minds of uh, of the listeners about uh, these yeah. days. This has become so much uh, more accepted than it was twenty or thirty yeah. or forty years ago that it's yeah, no different good. now to getting a haircut or having your teeth cleaned.
3: Can I ask a question about um, mindset of the of your patients? Is a good part of your job? almost therapy in talking to them about what they're doing and why they're doing it and uh, should they do it at all?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think you quite often have people come in looking for guidance sometimes as much as they are reassuring. So quite often your job is to, one, actually really establish whether this person wants to commit to a treatment that is going to, even if it's subtle, is going to change their appearance. Sometimes I think it's really important to establish that the person is well prepped to have a deal with changes like that. Sometimes they're trying to plug up a hole as well. Sometimes they might be sitting down and low in their self-esteem and they think uh, by fixing the outer appearance that they're going to be able to fix the, the uh, inward struggles, which you've got to be really sh- uh, careful of.
0: That's the real question, isn't it? Because uh, some people will come to you who have a low self-esteem about a particular feature of their looks that, yeah. you're, that you've that you got the opportunity to, to change for them. Um, yeah, but, the, but the issue is not necessarily what they look like. Is there a measure of do- diddling yourself out of some business by trying to talk yeah. about or doing stuff? Good question.
4: A hundred percent. And sometimes I think it takes people aback because they sort of sit there and they're like, well, hold on, you get paid to treat people and you're sitting here telling me why you wouldn't treat me so you have to really make sure that, you know, you reiterate the fact that it's, you know, first of all medicine is to do no harm and if you think the person isn't gonna benefit from something that could cause harm to their psyche or their emotions, then it's something that you need to guide them away from rather than towards. And for a lot of people that
0: things like backwards logic. But I mean, it's forward, gotta be really obvious forward. though. If they if they're if, they're, they're, yeah, if they've just, got a serious problem, like you can see that these people have a, a deep seated emotional issue that, that this is yeah. not necessarily gonna fix that raises red flags to you.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think you have to really be careful with your words and and how you do it. You have to be very tacticious in that.
0: We've
3: actually been um, focusing a little bit in the last few minutes on the negative, but conversely, do you have? I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you do have people who walk walk out of your your surgery delighted with the results, and it makes a discernible difference to how they feel about themselves, how they interact with others. Is that is that more common?
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely, I'd say that's eighty percent, ninety percent of the time. But of course, you know, the old idea is to give people an improved sense of self-worth based on what they look like and if someone has for instance had three kids they feel washed out they feel like they you know they haven't had given them had the opportunity to give themselves that attention and you can help rejuvenate their appearance then by all means they're, they're, they're overwhelmed with how good they feel you have a lot of uh, have a lot of awesome experiences as well like people that have lived forever and I know that makes sound but if they haven't had lips For a female, it's you know it's a a fairly feminine thing to have a nice set of lips, and for a girl who's only ever had thin lips, if she comes in and gets her lips. Um, augmented and for the first time sees herself of lips and she can then wear lipstick and all this sort of thing it has a really big impact
0: on her as well. Now you're touching on a really interesting point and this is something that, that I feel very much polarizes people's opinions about this sort of thing. Now what I've got a problem with is girls who have perfectly normal within normal range size lips shaped lips or whatever just because they saw Kim Kardashian doing it just go ballistic on the fish lips. They look in the mirror and think that this is better. And they're yeah. walking around in public thinking nobody knows they've done it.
4: I, again, it probably sounds counterintuitive to be in my position and say it, but I'm actually more conservative. If someone comes in and their lips already occupy quite a large space the lower third of their face, <laughs> I actually encourage them to wait and let them go. One, from a medical point of view that, you know, the more you fill your lips with something which is, even though it, uh, it can be integrated into the body, you're still putting something fine in there. And the more and more and more you pump up your lips, it's like a tyre. It can only stretch so much. And so you can start getting issues with the lips the more you pump them up. And so I just guide them because quite often they don't want to hear uh, what your perspective is on how big they go. And they can just as easily go down to the, to the surgery down the road. But I just guide them on the fact that, you know, they're gonna, it's going to be detrimental to the actual health of their lips if they continue to go oversizing.
3: But unfortunately, so, as as we all know, we can look. Maybe we're kidding ourselves, but a lot of us will look at uh, at people, and and it seems to be mainly females. We can actually see that. My God, they've had their lips done. They've had their boobs done. They've had this, that, and the other done. Why they're really attractive women? As it is, they didn't need to do that. Again, it's a judgment on it's somebody else's judgment, and obviously the person's judgment is obviously different. I mean, I guess that's the sort of uh, thing that confronts you every day.
4: That's the more is more approach. Yeah. Uh, It's like anything, you look across medicine and nutrition and stuff like that, there's always a big push for more of something which looks good or feels good, must be better for you, Yeah, it's an
0: interesting one anyway. Well, it's got to be for the individual, I mean, everyone's going to have a different psychology behind the reasons why they're doing it. Last question I want to ask you, just for myself, what is the most popular procedure that you've done? What do you do most every week?
4: Botox both so and you heard it here so, first
0: the, the the thing that people do the most is inject snake venom into their faces <laughs> that's what they do the most and and that's acceptable
3: Mark do you, do you find uh, do you have patients come to you and say well I went to this other cosmetic doctor and I'm really not happy with it can you fix it
4: yeah that's a real hard part about cosmetic medicine is that people do get jobs that they're not happy with and they will go find another doctor or another nurse to try and fix that job, but quite often you're always tempted to put your hand in the trough as well because if you can't fix it, then you'll try to fix something which someone else has done to begin with, and it just gets very messy because you don't know necessarily what product they used where they've placed it, how much they use and so it can get a very messy become a very messy
2: situation
3: it's like that's such a yeah. supposedly a, a very delicate thing and, and you're worried to, to i guess intervene as you said when you don't know all the all the facts in the full story dr mark thank you so much for coming on you've given us some really really good insights that uh as i say i think elliot and i have learned there are many things we need improved in our body and i think we might have to come and see you very soon <laughs>
0: i, I can could- only if it makes me look better, hard as that might be. We'll get a special
4: we'll harvest for you. Ma- but thanks
3: for having me on board. Thanks, Mark. All the best. I am all for women that decide to get plastic surgery because plastic surgery allows you the rare opportunity to make your outer appearance reflect your inner appearance. Fake. <laughs> Which is a positive joke for women, unless, of course, you have fake boobs. But let's be honest, you're not bright enough to get that joke. We'd like to welcome Laura Campbell, who is a clinical psychologist. Now, apart from the fact that Elliot and I desperately need you, Laura...
0: I'm already being very mindful of what I say from this point because you know, I'm, I'm, under the, uh, I'm, I'm under the scrutiny of a psychologist and, you know, you, you just immediately become guarded. No, we, That's
3: right. You start,
2: you start behaving strangely,
3: yeah, don't you? We want unguarded moments but professional opinion and insights from you, Laura. And the question we want to ask you is why the hell do people have work done?
2: Yeah, I think it's a really it's a it's a complex question and an interesting one. And um, I think firstly we've got to talk about what kind of what work is
3: and the I, difference. We're not put, talking about putting a deck on on the back of the house.
0: Well, I'll tell you what we are covering, though, because it is quite a, uh, a wide-ranging spectrum, and we're we're covering everything from uh, what I like to call the fish lips uh, and the trout pout, uh, trout pout. Uh, That's right. So we're covering everything from the stuff you can do in the chair in about one hour, with or without right. local anaesthetic, right up to your sort of uh, bum augmentations and uh, tummy tucks and the and the serious yeah. the serious sort of three weeks in hospital recovery kind of stuff. Stuff, you know even corrective stuff but we've got to decide what is regarded as not normal or not not how it should be and that's only yeah. going, that's only going to be in the minds of some of these people so law that's what are right. your thoughts
2: okay well i i think what you're talking about is the main reason is to enhance their the the way that they look and to, to reduce signs of ageing. The second reason people often talk about is sometimes people do it to make someone else happy because they think maybe their partner's going to be um, happier if they look better. And that's not a, a very good reason to do it. Well, some people say just vanity. They want to feel um, sexier and a bit kind of um, more comfortable in their skin. And that's why they might have what they call kind of a little nip or a tuck. Um, and the last reason is, which is probably a really a big concern, is to be like celebrities or to perhaps look like a particular hollywood celebrity um and this isn't a very good reason in, in fact i mean there are lots of hollywood stars that say they have to do the part of their job because um you know in order to stay you know employed they need to look a certain way
3: so laura you've you've been you've probably uh, treated people at the front end and the back end putting aside yeah. the the
0: uh, <laughs> I, I really yeah. wanted to jump yeah, in there, and, there and
3: we're, we're going to move on from that because laura's given us some very <laughs> yes. good insights but uh Okay, let's say somebody has has gone from the the Botox through to the actual augmentation or yes. whatever it is. You've yes. dealt with them six months, twelve months after the they've had yes. the procedures done. What has your experience yes. shown you about what they think?
2: That's very interesting because you know I think that some people they really do feel happier and they feel more confident in it, but. The most important thing to look at when someone does have plastic surgery is what their expectations are, Um, what their expectations are going to be of the surgery, so whether they've got realistic expectations of what perhaps, you know, their breasts are going to look like or their nose is going to look like, but also what they think that surgery is going to bring about. If they think that that's going to bring about um, lifelong happiness or it's going to allow them to meet the love of their life that can be a big problem. Uh, there's also something which is an interesting phenomenon in psychology called, it's called the hedonic adaptation. It's a really fancy word. But all that is very fancy. I'm,
0: I'm glad yeah, you bring is. this this kind of credibility to our show with That's fancy right. words like You're that. You're
3: completely okay. out of place here, Laura.
2: Okay, so let me let me tell you what it is because it's an interesting phenomenon and we all would have experienced it. So they've done sort of research looking at people that win the lotto maybe or, you know, someone that might have plastic surgery. They all feel pretty euphoric and unbelievable. After that. But what you find is that people actually adapt. And they kind of, you know, resume their normal happiness levels, if you like. And that's what often happens can happen with plastic surgery. Um, if you are truly unhappy with yourself and you have got issues around self worth, and you think that going to have, you know, your nose straightened or whatever is going to um, make you happy, uh, you know, you might do that. And in another three months' time, you actually realise that you don't feel that much happier. So maybe I should look at, you know, doing something to my lips or my thighs so it's the really important part about people having surgery is what, they, what the expectations are around that and what they actually the reasons that they're doing it for. That's particularly important because there are people that are really happy with it. There are some people, I think we have to be careful not to judge everyone. When you talk about, you know, there's some people that look like, you know, when they've got those sort of fish lips and they, they start looking quite scary, I think that's taking it to a slightly different level.
0: I agree with you. I mean, look, yeah. it's, it's very fair and reasonable to say that if... You are born with a really hideous nose. There's there's some malformation. And understandable that you'd want to get something correctively done, and that's all great. Trying to emulate other people or to um, over-accentuate certain features beyond what could be considered normal, I argue that there would be some psychological problems there that need to be addressed before you have surgery. And when you look at these TV shows about plastic surgery and corrective surgery, they always seem to have some kind of a psychology uh, interview and a Q&A beforehand to determine whether this uh, self-esteem problem can be attacked and therefore remedied without the need for surgery.
2: Yeah, I think you make you make, you make an excellent point. And I think that, um, you know, if someone is seeking plastic surgery, I think that they do need to ask a number of questions before they do that. So, for example, questions like, you know, how long have you been thinking about it? Or how much does it really bother you? Or What is your current stage of life? You know, it, I'll just give you a, a quick example of my own personal story. When, when I was sixteen, you know, I decided I wanted to have my nose straightened, a nose uh, job. It was very popular at the time, actually. A lot of young girls were having it, and I went and I spoke to my parents. and My mother said to me, "Well, let's think about it. Go and talk to your father." And I sat down with him, and he sort of said, "Well, okay, let's let's hear your view." And he said, "So you want to have your nose straightened?" yet? he said. "Well, do you have problems breathing?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Do you have problems sleeping at night?" Do you snore? And I said, no, I said, well, then you're not getting it done. But I think the interesting thing about that is that I didn't have it done because I didn't have the, the funds or the meal. I needed my parents' permission. But years later, it doesn't bother me that much. I've, I, not that I, I think I've got a fantastic nose, but it was a very much around a stage of life. And what was very important to me as a teenager, being very critical and scrutinizing all my features. So I think you're right when you were saying before, you need to ask a lot of questions about why am i thinking about doing it and what do i expect will change if i do the surgery um and can the surgery really give me the results that i want and is there another way that I can try and work on some of these issues and maybe it is talking to a psychologist even if you go and talk to a psychologist just about you know your reasons why that would be a really good first start but I I don't believe a lot of people do that
0: just on the um, on the nose job issue and I mean I know that this is just sidestepping the 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 real issue Uh, I think there's a psychological damage that is done by the naming of some of these procedures because I know that a nose job is known as a rhinoplasty that's right that's right now if if you you've already got a problem with the size of your nose the last thing you want to hear about is that being you know is the name rhinoplasty I mean, being they, equated
3: to a rhinoceros are they really
0: are they helping are they helping the issue
3: at all by naming these things laura campbell my goodness we have traversed so many subjects and topics that uh, we didn't expect and we knew nothing about but you've brought a lot of credibility and information to the midlife crisis show so thank you oh,
0: thank you no thank you for having me i enjoyed it that was t- tons of fun, but I, I've got to say, I remain guarded. You didn't see the real me, so...
3: <laughs> but Laura has told us before we started the interview that she is very interested in mindfulness. So, Elliot, you need to be mindful.
0: I, I was being too mindful. Mindful to, to, to the point of quietness.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Laura. You were fantastic. What do you think, dear listener?
0: Wow. But what a plethora of information to, to and drag there was, yourself through. And there was lots, too. There was a lot of information. and But was it all good? Mm-hmm. Is it polarizing? Yes. But the point is, what's
3: good for you is bad for somebody else, is what's ugly, is beautiful. It's all in the eye and the hand of the beholder. Does my bum look big in this, Elliot?
0: Bait question. Bait question. <laughs> Clickbait. Clickbait. <laughs> the question was always, does this make my bum look big? The answer is no, it's the four pizzas you ate this <laughs> afternoon that make your bum look big. Right.
3: Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Cosmetic procedures, good, bad or ugly. Really, it's up to you to decide.